Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. 1939 was quite a year in history. Anyone here this morning that was alive in 1939? We've had some in every service. There's some that are here that were alive. 1939, you're going to remember some of this. Here's some things that happened in 1939. Lou Gehrig retired from Major League Baseball, that great baseball player, after being diagnosed with ALS, became known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Two movies hit the motion, hit the big screen for the very first time, made their premiere. It became instant classics, Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, right? How many of you seen those movies? Yeah, most of us have. I don't really like either one of them. My wife loves them, so I watch them, but not my favorites. Germany, Germany invaded Poland in World War II, began. All that happened in 1939, a lot of significant events. But there was another event that started in 1939 that was very significant, but it flew way under the radar. As a matter of fact, other than a handful of people, nobody really even knew that this took place. Harvard University commissioned a research project in 1939 that became known as the longest study of adult human development in the history of research. Started in 1939, and the research project ran for 75 years, meaning that the researchers who began the project are not the same researchers who finished the project. They handed the research off from generation to generation, and most of these kinds of things break down over time because somebody drops the ball, doesn't keep going, but this particular study, for some reason, stayed alive, and it completed in 2014, and they just released recently all of the results of this study. (laughs) What they did is they selected 724 men 456 of them were from the poorest neighborhoods in Boston. The remaining 268 were graduating from Harvard University. So they selected the poorest of the poor and then these educational elites. And for 75 years, they tracked their lives. I don't know if you're familiar or watch what are called TED Talks. Some of them are so fascinating to me. There's a recent one that you can look up. I encourage you to go look it up. Robert Waldinger is the new head of this research project at Harvard, and he recently did a 12-minute TED Talk rolling out the information from 75 years of research, and I'm telling you, it is worth 12 minutes of your time. It's fascinating to hear him describe it. But here's a, I watched it again this week, and here's a paragraph that I pulled out of his um, comments on this TED Talk. Look at it on the screen. He said, What are the lessons that come from tens of thousands of pages of information that we've gathered on these lives? The lessons aren't about wealth or fame or working harder and harder. 
The clearest message we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. Relationships are messy, and they're complicated, amen? But the good life is built with good relationships. The biggest predictor of your happiness and fulfillment overall in life is basically love. Well, what it took Harvard University 75 years and millions of dollars in research to discover, Jesus actually told us in answer to one question in one afternoon. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, we read an interesting story from the life of Jesus. He's actually in somewhat of a debate or argument with the religious leaders of the day. They're trying to trip him up with some questions. And so they're posing all these questions and trying to, trying to make Jesus make a mistake. And there's this one young guy who's watching this play out, and he becomes convinced these religious leaders don't have a clue what they're talking about, but this Jesus, he seems to have the answers. And so he approaches Jesus with the question, what is the greatest commandment? And what he was really asking, to put it in our context today, he was really, after listening to this conversation, he was saying to Jesus, Jesus, what is the secret to a good life? He was asking Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important thing? Let's read it. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these words up on the screen. Here's what it says. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing. And recognizing that he had answered them well, he asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. God says to Jesus, Jesus, what's most important? And here's my paraphrase of his answer. Life is all about relationships. First and foremost, we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of the overflow of that, we are to love others. Jesus, in essence, said this, if you want to get the most out of life, anybody in the room want to get the most out of life? Anybody here today wants to enjoy life? Let me see your hand, right? I hope you didn't come today and say, no, I was really hoping for the awful life sermon. Give me that one today. No, we, we want to enjoy life. We want to enjoy the life that God's given us. Jesus said, if you want to get the most out of life, here's what you do. Don't focus on money. Don't focus on career advancement. Don't focus on making sure your retirement is all that it's supposed to be. Don't focus on prestige or fame or power. Jesus said, you want the most out of life? You put all your emphasis on relationship. First and foremost, your relationship with God. And then secondly, your relationships 
with the people around you. So today at Hope, we are launching into a new series. We're going to take the next several weekends here in our church, and we're going to unpack a series that we're calling Love Life, God's Perspective on Marriage, Dating, and Singleness. And what we're really going to do as we walk through this series together is we're going to be asking the question, what does God have to say about the relationships, particularly these three areas of relationships? What does God have to say about these relationships in our life? But before we jump into it this morning, I want to talk to you about why what we're going to do over the next several weekends is so important. Because I know what's already happening. Some people are already tuning out. You're hearing, okay, a series about marriage and dating. That's not really for me. I'm going to tune in. Or maybe you're one of those theology nerds in the room, right? And we're not talking about substitutionary atonement or the doctrine of election. And you're like, it's not for me. That's not, that's not my, my wheelhouse. But, but I want you to understand what we're going to unpack over the next several weekends is important for all of us. And let me give you some reasons why. First of all, what is this? It's a mirror, right? It's a mirror. Now, when you look into a mirror, what do you see? You see yourself, right? If you don't, we need another sermon for you, all right? (laughs) But when you look in the mirror, you see yourself. But you don't just see yourself. First of all, when you look in the mirror, sometimes you see some things that you think are right about yourself, right? Maybe, maybe you've been hitting the gym lately or whatever, or maybe you bought a new outfit, or maybe you did your hair just right, and you look in there, you go, you know what? That's exactly what I was looking for. That, that's, that's right. But other times you look in the mirror, and, and the mirror doesn't just show you what's right. Sometimes it shows you what's wrong, right? Sometimes we look in the mirror, and our hair's not right, and we have to fix that. Or, or sometimes you go to lunch, and you, you then go to the restroom, and you got that piece of lettuce right there, and you're like, why didn't somebody tell me? So what do you do? You, you immediately try to fix what you saw in the mirror that wasn't right by your estimation. The Bible says of itself that the Bible is a mirror. In James chapter 1, the scripture teaches us that God's word is like a mirror. And so here's what we're going to do over this series. We're going to look into the mirror of God's word. And God's word is going to show us some things in some of our lives that's right. There are some of you who some of the principles we're going to share, you've heard these before. You've already implemented these in your life. You're going to look in God's word and go, hey, I got that right. I'm already there. I'm living that. And here's what you do. You turn that back towards God as praise, thanking God that he's already conformed you to his image in that area. But as we walk through this series and look at these topics, God's word's also going to show us some stuff that's not right. By way of conviction, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal some things in our heart that's not conformed to the image of Jesus, no matter where you are on the spectrum of your walk with God. And all of us are going to need to make some fresh surrender of our life to Jesus, trusting Him to make what's not right in our lives relationally right and conform to the image of who He is. So first of all, this series is going to be like a mirror. But secondly, as we do this relationship series... It's going to be like a brick. See, I know what you're already thinking, right? Somebody's thinking, yeah, relationships here. I need that brick to throw at somebody. That's what I'm going to do with that brick. No, that's not what this represents. This brick represents a foundation. What we're going to do there, there are some of you that are here, and you're maybe in junior high, high school, college, young single adult, and you're just beginning this whole season of dating and singleness and marriage. And what these principles are going to do is they're going to give you a brick that you can lay down as a biblical foundation in your life. And then you can now build 
biblically centered, successful, meaningful relationships on these biblical principles that we're going to unpack. So for some of you, it's going to be a foundation in a new seat. But for others that are here, maybe you're a little further down this thing called life and, and life circumstances has brought you to a place where you're relationally starting over again. There's been some brokenness and some stuff that's happened in your life and you're at a place where you're asking a lot of questions about, hey, I apparently something wasn't, we're going to give you some principles so that you can begin anew. The beautiful thing about the grace of God is no matter where you are today, you can start brand new. So we're going to give you some biblical principles that you can from this point forward in your life build upon. But, but others of you, you don't need it as foundation for you. Others of you are at a place where you have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And what we're going to do is we're going to equip you with some truth that you're going to now get to lay as foundation in the next generation. Maybe some things that you missed on your journey, some things you didn't get right, and you wish you, wish you could go back in time and do that. Listen, you can't, but here's what you can do. You can lay some foundation for the generation to come so that they don't make the same mistakes. So we want to equip you so that you can speak into the life of the next generation. But then there's a third thing we're going to do with this series. Not only a mirror and a brick... What's this? It's an anchor. Some of these are being tested today down in southern Florida, right? Anchors. Anchors are supposed to keep you from drifting. As we sit here this morning, we are living in a culture that is radically moving away from a biblical worldview. Unless you're living with your head stuck in the sand, you realize that society as we live in it is drifting from a worldview that is rooted and grounded in Scripture. And nowhere is this more evident than in our culture's views on intimate relationships. Our culture has abandoned the Scripture. And it's not just our culture. It's crept into the church. The church, in many ways, is abandoning God's truth. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at what God's Word says and let God's Word become an anchor for us that will root us in the midst of the shifting sands of culture so that we don't drift, but we remain anchored in the truth of God's Word. And here's what I know. The truth of God will set us free. It'll set us free. Some people say sometimes, well, Pastor, I know we're going we're gonna to talk about this truth thing, and we're going to look at what it has to say about relationships, but, but Pastor, you do know that that Bible, it was written a long time ago. I mean, it's 2017. Hey, can I remind you of something? God is eternal. That's going to hit you at lunch. Here's what that means. He exists outside the parameters of time. That means he sees the beginning of time and the end of time at the same time. He's eternal. He sees tomorrow as clearly as he sees yesterday. When God in his infinite wisdom gave us his word, it wasn't just for one season. It was as relevant for 2017 as it was 17 B.C. or it will be in 3017 should the Lord tarry his coming. God's word is truth. And if you and I will take the truth of God and apply it to our lives, listen to me, the truth will set us free. It'll set us free. Now, 
before we jump into this, let me, let me give you, here's my disclaimer at the beginning of the series, all right? Here's the disclaimer. Some of the things you are going to hear us teach are going to sound radical in light of our current culture. You're going to hear us share some things, and you're going to think, that doesn't sound at all like what contemporary society is saying. But here's what I want you to understand. God is God. We are not. That means we don't get to pick and choose what we like about what God says. The Word of God is not a cafeteria line. I didn't have a cafeteria line back here on the table. Because the Bible is not a cafeteria line where you go through and pick out the banana pudding and skip over the broccoli. That's not what God's word. We don't get to take what's comfortable, take what tastes good, and then skip over the rest. All of God's word is truth that speaks into every issue of our lives. And if you and I are going to get the most out of life, we must bring ourselves under the authority of the word of God. So, let me just share with you. There are going to be some things you're going to hear it. You're going to go, I don't know, but, but, but test it all against the Word of God. Let me give you a big idea statement for this first weekend. We're going to unpack this right out of Mark 12. Here it is. I want you to read it out loud with me. You ready? One, two, three. Before love in my life can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. None of the other relationships are ever going to be fully right until we get this principle right first. None of them will matter. Before love in my life will ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. Jesus, when he answered this question, he gave very specific order to the relationships in our life. And I want to give it to you in two statements, and we'll be done this morning. Here's the first one. A love relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in life. You hear it? A love relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in life. Now, again, I know what some of us are thinking. Pastor, I know that. Can we move on? I'm here. I want, to, I want to hear about marriage. I want to hear about dating. I want to hear about dealing with singleness. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Let's, 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 now let's get on to the real stuff. But here's what I want you to hear me say. If we don't get this, none of the other stuff is ever going to find its right and proper place of health in our lives. That's why Jesus said when he answered the question, oh, you want to know about the greatest commandment? Let me give you the foremost. The word foremost in the Greek language is a word that means first. It literally means most important, meaning that Jesus wasn't suggesting that our love for God should be a priority in our lives. He was saying that our love relationship with God is to be the priority in our lives. And here's where I think a lot of Christians get off track. I think almost all Christians would say, sure, my love relationship with God is a big part of my life. Jesus is not saying here that our love relationship with him needs to be a big part of our life. He's saying it needs to be the center of our life. And everything else needs to revolve around this. And all other relationships find their place in light of him being first. And he said, first, foremost, most importantly, love the Lord your God. 
The word love is a word that means to find your joy in something as an act of the will. So here's the point. Jesus said more than anything else in my life, I'm to seek to find my joy in relational intimacy with God. Did you hear that? I want you to let that marinate for a second. More than anything else in your or my life, I'm to choose to first and foremost seek to find my joy in my relational intimacy with God. You know one of the biggest problems most of us have? We're trying to find our joy first in something other than that. And that's what's getting us off track. It's out of order. Henry Blackaby, who's impacted my life, said it this way. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in my life. If you agree with that, say amen. Hang on now. Don't get too excited with that amen. I want you to hear what you just amen. You just amen that my love relationship with God is more important than any, any other single factor. Here's what that means. If you're here today and you're single, the most important pursuit in your life is not finding that special someone. If you're single, the most important pursuit in your life is not throwing yourself into your career. If you're single today, the most important pursuit in your life is your love relationship with God. If you're dating someone today, Maybe you're in a dating relationship. If you're in a dating relationship, the most important relationship in your life is not the person you're dating. It's not the most important factor. Jesus and your relationship with Jesus is more important than the relationship with the person you're dating. Let me take it a step further. If you're married this morning, This, again, is where Christians get off track. We sometimes idolize marriage and cloak it in such Christian ease that we we make it where marriage can even be a substitute for intimacy with God. My wife and our relationship only works when my relationship with Jesus is more important to me than my relationship with my wife. Same's true with her. From her perspective, her relationship to me, it only works the way it's supposed to work when her relationship with Jesus is more important to her than her relationship with me. If you try to find joy in life in any other relationship than Jesus, first and foremost, you will not have true satisfaction. Hear it again. If you try to feel That longing for contentment, for fulfillment, for joy, for peace, for satisfaction in any relationship other than Jesus, you will end up unfulfilled. Paul wrote it. And Paul, in the New Testament, the book of Philippians, Paul wrote about this in his own life. Listen to what he said in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to give it to you in the message, the paraphrase, but listen to what he said. He said, yes, all the things. And that means every single thing, every relationship, every job, every possession, fame, money, whatever. 
all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Is that where you are? Let me give you a question. I want you to look at this question. I don't want you to answer it out loud. Is your relationship with Jesus more important than anything else in your life? Some of you, when I read that question, inside of you there's a resounding yes that wells up. And you're, 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 I can see it on some of your faces. There's a, there's a resounding yes. There's a, a joy in you to be able to say, Jesus and my relationship to him is more important than anything else in my life. But for others of you this morning, as we look at that question, it's not a resounding yes. For some of you, it's a, it's a no. As soon as you hear the question, you know that it's not the most important thing in your life. For others of you, when you hear the question, it's not a no, it's a question mark. You're not sure. You want to say Jesus. You know it's the right answer. I mean, it's church, right? Jesus is the right answer. But, but what you're really left with is a question. I, I, I honestly can't say that that's the primary pursuit of my life. And I want to, I want to talk to two groups of people here that, that have either that question mark or that no. If you can't answer yes to that question, it's because you're really in one of two groups. Number one, there's some people here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it can't be the most important thing in your life. Some of you are here today because a friend invited you to come to a church service. Some of you are here because you saw on social media, got something in the mail about inviting to a series on relationships, and you just showed up here. Maybe you've never been in church before in your life, and you don't have a relationship with God. So obviously, it's not the most important thing. Let me, let, me, let me explain to you why this is so important. God created you and God created me for himself. Let that sink in for a second. God didn't make us for us. God made us for him. All of human history, all of who we are as human beings were created for him. We were made to live life. Is life a part of the deal? Sure it is. God wants us to enjoy life. But we were made to know God and to live in relationship with God. And all of the rest of life, relationships and everything else, was to be lived out of the overflow of a love relationship with God. You and I were made for him, to know him and to love him and to be loved by him. And everything else finds its place out of the overflow of that. But what happened is that as human beings, we sinned against God. Started with Adam and Eve in the garden. Before you get too down on them, all of us have done the same thing. When we came into this world, we have all chosen to disobey God 
It's called sin. We've stepped across God's boundaries. You say, why is that a big deal? Here's why it's a big deal. God is holy. And because God is holy, he will not have fellowship and relationship with sin. In his holiness, he demands that those that relate to him also are holy. So here's what happened. God made us to know him and love him and be loved by him. We sinned against God. Our sin now separates us from that which we were created to enjoy so that you can see it this way. It's as if God now is on one side and all of humanity is on the other side and sin separates us from God. And here's what we've done as human beings. We now have, when we come into this world, a God-shaped vacuum in our heart that leaves us longing. It's why throughout the centuries we've wrestled with the question, what's the meaning of life? There has to be more to life than nine to five and planning retirement. It's got to be bigger than that. It is. God made us to know him and be loved by him and live in fellowship with him and enjoy everything else out of the overflow of that. But here's what we've done. We've tried to fill that emptiness with other things. We've tried relationships. We've tried substances, alcohol, drugs. We've tried sex. We've tried power. We've tried fame. We've tried career. We've tried fortune. We've tried power. We've even tried religion, morality, tried to make ourselves look better before God. And no matter how hard we try, we can't feel the longing because that which we were created to enjoy, we lost because of sin. But there's good news. God loved us in spite of our sin. So much so that he did for us what we could not, we could not get to him. So he came to us. In the person of Jesus Christ, God clothed himself in humanity. God became a man and he entered the time that he created and he, he, he lived a sinless life. And on the cross, Jesus offered his body. He died. Why did he die? To pay the penalty for our sin. Christ died. He took all of our sin on himself and he died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Look at it. First Timothy chapter two, verse five. For there is one God and one, say this word out loud, mediator. That's an interesting word. What's a mediator? Here's what a mediator is. It's somebody who comes in between two parties that are opposed to remove the disagreement and reconcile them relationally. That's what a mediator does. Oh, you know what that means? Look what it says. There's one God and one mediator also between who? God and men. Who is it? The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus came, took all of our sin on himself. On the cross, Jesus died for our sin, rose again from the dead. And now here's what he enables us to do. Through Jesus, Jesus reconciles us back so that through Christ, we now have a personal relationship with God. What we lost in sin, by grace, God gave us back in Jesus. You say, how do I get in on that? I'm so glad you ask. 
John 1, 12, look what it says. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who, what does it say? Believe in his name. You come to the place where you realize you've sinned against God and what you need is him. God, I've tried it all. I'm empty. And you turn to Jesus. And by faith, you put your trust in Jesus. And you embrace him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And by faith, when we do that, here's what happens. By grace, he gives us that which we could not ever earn, a personal love relationship with God. If you're here today and you would say, it's not the most important thing in my life because I don't have a relationship with God. Here's what needs to happen for you today. The first step towards health in all other relationships in your life is to come to know the one who made you and enjoy a personal relationship with him. But there's a second group of people who can't say yes to this question. And it's, it's believers who have a relationship with Jesus, but they've allowed other things to take first place in their lives. Let's just be real honest for a minute. If we're going to be honest, Christians, every one of us have a daily fight. Other things are always trying to take the place that belongs to Jesus. And it's only as we daily die to ourselves, our wants, our desires, our will, and find our fulfillment in Christ, that we win the victory. Because every day, other relationships, other priorities are jockeying for position to take the first place in my life that belongs to Jesus. So the reason some of you can't answer that question is you've allowed some other stuff to creep in. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's this season of singleness. Maybe it's your job, your career, your money, whatever it is. But you've let it take the... Jesus is a part, but he's not the... Jesus wrote to a church in the book of Revelation. Listen to what he said. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Man, he's just building them up. But then he says, I have this against you. Man, you never want to hear Jesus say that, right? What do you have against him? You have left your First, love. They let other things come in and take the place in their life that belongs solely to Christ. Jesus said, you've, you've allowed other things to take over. Well, when you realize that, what do you do? Well, he tells us in the next verse. Look at verse 5. He said, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and say it out loud. Repent. I heard a story one time about an elderly couple who uh, were sitting at a red light. And the man was driving the car, and the lady was way over in her seat. And in the car in front of them was a young couple. And this young couple was so in love, man. They were sitting so close together. It looked like a two-headed person driving the car in front of them. I mean, they're just like all scrunched over together. And the lady sitting there in the car behind and... She kind of, huh, looks over at her husband and says, I remember when we used to sit like that. He said, well, baby, I hadn't moved. 
Here's the the point. Here's the point. There's a point to this story. If you can remember a time in your life when you are more in love with Jesus than you are right now, he has not moved. You've allowed other things other priorities, other relationships. And here's his invitation to you today. Just repent. It's not a real popular word. Here's what it means. To turn away from one thing and turn to something else. Simply meaning this. If you can remember a time in your life when you were closer to Jesus than you are right now, here's what you need to do. Turn away from whatever it is Whatever relationship, priority, lay it on the altar. Say, Lord, I make a fresh surrender today. And God, by faith right now, I just turn back to you. And listen, that's not a once and done deal. You have to do that over and over. We all do over and over and over again. But that's a starting place for some today. And here's the last thing this morning. We said, first of all, a love relationship with Jesus is more important than anything else. Here's the second thing. Every other relationship in life finds its place after a love relationship with Jesus. Remember what Jesus said, foremost, first, love God. And then he said, second. In the Greek language, the word second, you know what it means? Second. (laughs) Not first. When Jesus gave us this command, this, this instruction... He gave order. He established priority. He said, first is intimacy with God, and second is relational intimacy with others. Now, over the next several weekends, we're going to unpack there's also some order in our relational intimacy with others. But all of that falls under the umbrella of first. It's about our intimate love relationship with God. And here's the point. Until we get this right, the relationships in our life will never cause us to love life. My marriage, my relationship to my children, my relationship with my friends, when Jesus isn't at the center, all of that other stuff struggles. I'll give you one last picture. Let's picture this chain. All the relationships in our life are like this chain. All of our relationships, in one way or another, are connected. That's why if you have a problem in one relationship, it's going to have effect on some other relationships. Amen? Anybody else know that? You have a problem in one relationship, it's going to affect some of the other ones. But if you have a problem in the first one, it affects them all. The first one is my intimate love relationship with Jesus. If that's not right, every other relationship in my life struggles. A love relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. Before love in my life will ever be right, Jesus must be the love of my life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you would
have your way. And as we close this time, God, would you even now begin to speak to people as only you can. In the stillness of this moment, as you sit quietly before the Lord, I want to talk for a minute to those two groups of people. If you're here today and you you don't know Jesus, I want to extend an invitation to you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song, a closing song of worship. And as we sing this song, we have some pastors that are going to be down here at the front. Myself and two other guys were here. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to know God, when we stand in just a moment, I'm going to invite you while we're singing, you just slip out. Come to one of these pastors here at the front, and here's all you have to say. I need Jesus. That's it. And we'll have somebody sit down and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. You just come. You just come. For others of you today, maybe you're in that category, you know Jesus, but you've let other things take over. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do today. Either turn your seat into, or as we take these steps up here and turn them into an old-fashioned altar, I'm going to encourage you to just come and take whatever that is, whatever relationship or priority that's in your life that's taken the place of Jesus You just come and lay that fresh on the altar and give it to him and say, God, I want you to be the first in my life. Embrace his grace and forgiveness and let today be the beginning of a new season in your life. For others of you this morning, these altars are open. You can pray over anything that's on your heart and mind this morning or our pastors are here. If there's something on your heart concerning your job, your health, your family, your relationship, we'd be honored to pray with you and for you. You just come. This is a time for you to respond as the Lord leads. God, have your way. Speak to us as only you can. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.